Welcome to Bandcamp. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Dan, and this is the podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. And this season, we're reading Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. Little uh, recap of the last part of the last section that we read. It ended with Montag at the firehouse getting harassed by the uh, mechanical firehouse dog. Does that thing have a name? Oh, that's interesting. I I want it to have a name. (laughs) A Harper Lee name? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, when, how did Harper Lee name this dog? Uh, Thomas Jenkins. Thomas Jenkins. Tommy Jenkins. Absolutely. So that's how that last part ended. Yes. Thanks for the recap. And we will begin the next little part here. Oh, no. It starts with counting. I Why feel so kidding? silly. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> You'll know that I am called the count. days. And as many times he came out of the house and Clarice was there somewhere in the world. Once he saw her shaking a walnut tree. Once he saw her sitting on the lawn knitting a blue sweater. Three or four times he found a bouquet of late flowers on his porch or a handful of chestnuts in a little sack or some autumn leaves neatly pinned to a sheet of white paper and thumbtacked to his door. She's kind of like Boo Radley, leaving him little gifts uh, in her tree. Oh, hey, yeah, crafty gifts. Every day, Clarice walked him to the corner. One day, it was raining. The next, it was clear. The day after that, the wind blew strong. And the day after that calm day was a day like the furnace of summer, and Clarice with her face all sunburnt by late afternoon. Why is it, he said one time at the subway entrance, I feel I've known you so many years. Because I like you, she said, and I don't want anything from you. And because we know each other. You make me feel very old and very much like a father. Now you explain, she said, why you haven't any daughters like me. If you love children so much, I don't know. You're joking. I mean, he stopped and shook his head. Well, my wife, she... She just never wanted any children at all. See, I think that's a discussion you should have before you get married. Anyways, the girl stopped smiling. I'm sorry. I really thought you were having fun at my expense. I'm a fool. No, no, he said. It was a good question. It's been a long time since anyone cared enough to ask. A good question. Let's talk about something else. Have you ever smelled old leaves? (laughs) Is she 17 or 4? (laughs) don't they smell like cinnamon here smell why yes it is like cinnamon in a way she looked at him with her clear dark eyes you always seem shocked it's just i haven't had time did you look at the stretched out billboards like i told you i think so yes he had to laugh your laugh sounds much nicer than it did does it much more relaxed he felt at ease and comfortable why aren't you in school I see you every day wandering around. Oh, they don't miss me, she said. I'm antisocial, they say. I don't mix. It's so strange. I'm very social indeed. It all depends on what you mean by social, doesn't it? Social to me means talking to you about things like this. She rattled some chestnuts that had fallen off the tree in the front yard. Or talking about how strange the world is. Being with people is nice but I don't think it's social to get a bunch of people together and then not let them talk, do you? 
an hour of TV class, an hour of basketball or baseball or running, another hour of transcription history or painting pictures, and more sports. But do you know, we never ask questions, or at least most don't. They just run the answers at you. Bing, bing, bing. And us sitting there for four more hours of film teacher. That's not social to me at all. It's a lot of funnels and a lot of water poured down the spout and out the bottom, and them telling us it's wine when it's not. They run us so ragged by the end of the day we can't do anything but go to bed or head for a fun park to bully people around, break window panes in the window smasher place, or wreck cars in the car wrecker place with the big steel ball. That sounds fun too, though. They have yeah. places where you can destroy things. It's a good way to get your aggression out. So instead of like creating something, they're destroying things. Clarice is doing crafts and they're destroying things. But I would argue those things, if they're garbage, they need to be destroyed anyways. I'm assuming that they're non-functioning cars and non-functioning TVs and whatever. And they need to be broken down anyways for recycling or whatnot. I don't know. I'm very confused about this future world. I don't know if it's to teach people to be violent or what. I don't know. I don't know either. Well, go on. Or go out in the cars and race on the streets, trying to see how close you can get to lampposts. Okay, now that's dangerous. Yeah. So dangerous and violent. Playing chicken and knock hubcaps. I guess I'm everything they say I am, all right. I haven't any friends. They're supposed to prove I'm abnormal, but everyone I know is either shouting or dancing around like wild or beating up one another. See, that's not good. Yeah, this is a crappy timeline. We are right in the middle of the worst timeline, Jen. Do you notice how people hurt each other nowadays? You sound very old. Sometimes I'm ancient. I'm afraid of children my own age. They kill each other. Did it always used to be that way? My uncle says no. Six of my friends have been shot in the last year alone. Boy, that does sound like modern times. Is it, aren't guns like the number one cause of death for children in this country now? <laughs> Sadly, you are correct. Guns are the leading cause of death for U.S. children and teens since surpassing car accidents in 2020. Firearms accounted for nearly 19% of childhood deaths in 2021, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Wonder Database. See, I, I kind of fear that because like the other side of the political spectrum than us, Dan, they are more violent and they do scare me. I mean, there are now warnings for gay people and black people to stay away from Florida. Right, because they feel safer. And it's not just, it's not gay and, and, and trans and, or kids. It is, there are travel advisories, advisories for people on the left. Right. Remember the book we read with Burn This Book podcast, Yoko? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, why in the heck would this book be banned? And the only thing we could come up is that it teaches kids empathy. Like the the right oh. wants to ban empathy. They don't they, want they, empathy. They don't want people to have it. Like if you teach empathy in school, it's woke. Did Ray Bradbury invent woke? <laughs> <laughs> Ray Bradbury, author and future teller. Six of my friends have been shot in the last year alone. Ten of them died in car wrecks. I'm afraid of them and they don't like me because I'm afraid. My uncle says his grandfather remembered when children didn't kill each other. But that was a long time ago when they had things different. They believed in responsibility, my uncle says. Do you know I'm responsible? I was spanked when I needed it years ago. And I do all the shopping and house cleaning by hand. But most of all, she said, I like to watch people. Sometimes I ride the subway all day and look at them and listen to them. 
I just want to figure out who they are and what they want and where they're going. Sometimes I even go to the fun parks and ride in the jet cars when they race on the edge of town at midnight. And the police don't care as long as they're insured. As long as everyone has 10,000 of insurance, everyone's happy. Sometimes I sneak around and listen in subways. Or I listen at soda fountains. And do you know what? What? People don't talk about anything. Oh, it's like Seinfeld. <laughs> this is a future about, This is a dystopian future about nothing. Oh, they must. No, not anything. They name a lot of cars or clothes or swimming pools mostly and say, how swell. But they all say the same things and nobody says anything different from anyone else. And most of the time in the cafes, they have the joke boxes on and the same jokes most of the time or the musical wall lit and all the colored patterns running up and down. But it's only color and all abstract and at the museums. Have you ever been? All abstract. That's all there is now. My uncle says it was different once. A long time back, sometimes pictures said things or even showed people. Why is Ray Bradbury complaining about abstract art? Abstract art is fine. <laughs> yeah, it's still art. I mean, I don't know why he would be against that, but maybe he thought it wasn't about anything. I like it the old way. I like when pictures had a picture of like fruit in a bowl or of a lady smiling or flowers. What is all this wiggly lines? Huh, boy. Yeah, he must have struggled so much just living through what he lived through. Like, I mean, not yeah. just in the 1950s, but like beyond that, I wonder how hard it was for him. Just being a person living through the 60s, which were all groovy and technocolored and the 80s mm -hmm. must have been really hard on him. And now fast forward, rich guys are getting rocket ships to fly into space. Or submarines to... Oh, too soon, Jennifer. Too soon. <laughs> okay. Maybe we should get back to the book. Your uncle said, your uncle said, your uncle must be a remarkable man. He is. He certainly is. Well, I got to be going. Goodbye, Mr. Montag. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, maybe just because abstract art's not human. Like, it doesn't show humans and... Clarice is like only interested in humans. And I'm like, hmm, they're all right. But that's the end of that scene. Oh, no, this new scene. It starts with counting again. Dan, can you just get robot Jen to count? Yeah, Genbot. Initiating Genbot 9000, a human voice artificial intelligence interface based on Davis, Jennifer. Stand by. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven days, the firehouse. Ah, ah, ah. Thanks, Dan. Well, don't thank me, thank the robot. Montag, you shin that pole like a bird up a tree. Third day. Montag, I see you came in the back door this time. The hound bother you? Oh, they call it the hound. The hound is capitalized. Oh. Okay, we now got an answer to that. The hound bother you? No, no. Fourth day. Montag, a funny thing. Heard tell this morning, fireman in Seattle purposely set a mechanical hound to his own chemical complex and let it loose. What kind of suicide would you call that? Oh my God. <laughs> so this is my, not like death by cop. This is death by mechanical hound. Yeah. What kind of suicide would you call that? I would call it death by mechanical hound, like I just <laughs> said. Five, six, seven days. And then Clarice was gone. He didn't know what there was about the afternoon, but it was not seeing her somewhere in the world. The lawn was empty, the trees empty, the street empty, 
And while at first he did not even know he missed her or was even looking for her, the fact was that by the time he reached the subway, there were vague stirrings of unease in him. Something was the matter. His routine had been disturbed. A simple routine, true, established in a short few days, and yet he almost turned back to make the walk again, to give her time to appear. He was certain if he tried the same route, everything would work out fine. But it was late, and the arrival of his train put a stop to his plan. Oh, I wonder where she is. Hope she's okay. Yeah, I'm a little worried. The flutter of cards, motion of hands, of eyelids, the drone of the time voice in the firehouse ceiling. 1.35, Thursday morning, November 4th, 1.36, uh, 1.37 uh, uh. a.m. The tick of playing cards on the greasy tabletop. All the sounds came to Montag, behind his closed eyes, behind the barrier he had momentarily erected. He could feel the firehouse full of glitter and shine and silence, of brass colors, the colors of coins, of gold, of silver. The unseen men across the table were sighing on their cards, waiting. 1.45. The voice clock mourned out the cold hour of a cold morning of a still colder year. What's wrong, Montag? Montag opened his eyes. A radio hummed somewhere. War may be declared any hour. This country stands ready to defend its... The firehouse trembled, uh, as a great flight of jet planes whistled a single note across the black morning sky. Montag blinked. Beatty was looking at him as if he were a museum statue. At any moment, Beatty might rise and walk about him, touching, exploring his guilt and self-consciousness. Guilt? What guilt was that? Your play, Montag. Montag looked at these men whose faces were sunburnt by a thousand real and ten thousand imaginary fires, whose work flushed their cheeks and fevered their eyes. These men who looked steadily into their platinum igniter flames as they lit their eternally burning black pipes. They and their charcoal hair and suit-colored brows and bluish ash smeared. God, that's a tough one. Why? Bluish ash smeared. <laughs> bluish ash smeared. <laughs> cheeks. Where they had shaven close, but their heritage showed. Montag started up. His mouth opened. Had he ever seen a fireman that didn't have black hair, black brows, a fiery face, and a blue steel shaved but unshaved look? These men were all mirror images of himself. Oh, did he just realize that? That's weird. Mm. Were all firemen picked then for their looks as well as their proclivities? The color of cinders and ash about them, and the continual smell of burning from their pipes. Captain Beatty there, rising in thunderheads of tobacco smoke. Beatty opening a fresh tobacco packet, crumpling the cellophane into a sound of fire. Montag looked at the cards in his own hands. I, I've been thinking about the fire last week. Oh no, why is he trying to talk to them? This is only going to get him in trouble. He's already being different. Yeah. Like, remember like how he doesn't get into the cockfights. Yeah. He goes upstairs to sleep. So he's already, he already knows he's kind of different than these guys. Why keep bringing up differences? It's just going to make Beatty all weirded out. And the hound. <laughs> He'll sick the hound on him. Right? That's right. You know how like when uh, sometimes when cat burglars come in and they break into a house and they uh, they come in with some steak, right? They'll go to the uh, butcher shop and then they'll mm. throw the steak over the fence and then the dog... What do you do with a with a mechanical hound? Nuts and bolts? Oil? Uh, amino acids. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Where was I? Oh, yeah. I've been thinking. Not supposed to think. About the fire last week. 
about the man whose library we fixed. What happened to him? They took him screaming off to the asylum. He wasn't insane. Beatty arranged his cards quietly. Any man's insane who thinks he can fool the government and us. I've tried to imagine, said Montag, just how it would feel. Why is he imagining and thinking? <laughs> this is not going to end well. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. I mean, to have firemen burn our houses and our books? We haven't any books. But if we did have some, oh, I think those are books in his yeah, uh, yeah. secret hidey hole. But if we did have some, you got some? Beatty blinked slowly. No, Montag gazed beyond them to the wall with the type lists of a million forbidden books. Their names leapt in fire, burning down the years under his axe and his hose, which sprayed not water, but kerosene. No, but in his hand, a cool wind started up and blew out the ventilator grill at home, softly chilling his face. And again, he saw himself in a green park talking to an old man, a very old man, and the wind from the park was cold, too. Montag hesitated. What? Was it always like this? The firehouse? Our work? I mean, well, once upon a time? Once upon a time, Beatty said. What kind of talk is that? Fool, thought Montag to himself. You'll give it away. Ooh, so he does have something to hide. At the last fire, a book of fairy tales, he glanced at a single line. I mean, he said, in the old days, before homes were completely fireproofed, suddenly it seemed a much younger voice was speaking for him. He opened his mouth and it was Clarice McClellan saying, didn't firemen prevent fires rather than stoke them up and get them going? That's rich, Stoneman and Black drew forth their rule books, which also contained brief histories of the firemen of America and laid them out where Montag, though long familiar with them, might read. And these are the rules. Established 1790 to burn English-influenced books in the colonies. First fireman, Benjamin Franklin. Rule 1. Answer the alarm quickly. Rule 2. Start the fire swiftly. Rule 3. Burn everything. Rule 4. Report back to the firehouse immediately. Rule 5. Stand alert for other alarms. Everyone watched Montag. He did not move. The alarm sounded. The bell in the ceiling kicked itself 200 times. Suddenly there were four empty chairs. The cards fell in a flurry of snow. The brass pole shivered. The men were gone. Montag sat in his chair. Below, the orange dragon coughed to life. Montag slid down the pole like a man in a dream. The mechanical hound leapt up in its kennel, its eyes all green flame. Montag, you forgot your helmet. He seized it off the wall behind him. Ran, leapt, and they were off, the night wind hammering about their siren scream and their mighty metal thunder. End of passage. It's time for PPP, Problematic Points to Ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? Again, there's nothing in this chapter that seems banworthy. Anti-government stuff, maybe, or? Because Beatty said, can you imagine anyone's insane trying to fool the government or us? Yeah. Ah, there's something. Hey, okay. Right.
Jennifer let the cat out of the bag a little bit in this episode. We did a special crossover episode with Nicole and Eden from Burn This Book podcast, which is a fantastic podcast. Everyone should go mm-hmm. listen to it. Obviously, you guys are into banned books. Their podcast is really different. They uh, actually, they're twice a month and they read a banned book off the air and then they uh, get together and they talk about it. It's really fun. We actually did a special crossover episode, which we'll be releasing very soon. We read a children's book by Rosemary Wells, who mm-hmm. is fantastic, which is one of your favorite children's authors. Yep. And all four of us tried to figure out why that book could have been banned. Yeah, the and, book is uh, Yoko. <laughs> Yoko would say, I uh, don't want it. I'm not going to give any spoilers. <laughs> it's about a kitten who goes to school with a packed lunch that is different than the other packed lunches. Ban it! Ban it! Ban (laughs) the book! Ban it! As soon as it's ready for release, I'm sure we will let everyone know, but it was a really fun thing. So if you guys are getting anything out of this podcast, please share it with someone who might get something out of it. And Jen, another great job reading. Thanks, Dan. And we look forward to reading again next time. See you later. Bye, everyone.